Good morning, church. It's good to be with you again. Uh, here we are three months into COVID. Uh, God bless you for being so faithful and being uh, willing to uh, be a part of this worship assembly uh, when we're not even together. Uh, I know that the announcements are being made today by Dwight, and I'm looking forward to getting back together with you, and I hope all those plans come together as we've been working on them, and I appreciate the elders for working so hard on that. Uh, I need to uh, make uh, a statement, I think. Um, I, I need you to know uh, that as a minister of the Church of our Lord Jesus Christ, that I go out of my way to not be political at all, uh, so far that I don't even vote anymore, and I'm just really trying not to be political. But I think you need to understand, as a Christian and as a minister, it is not only my duty, but it is your duty as a church to care for everyone in whatever pain they're in and whatever situation that's creating pain in their life, that we are to love and care for everyone. And so, uh, obviously, uh, we are, as a body of believers, concerned about what happened to George Floyd. Uh, this eight minutes and 46 seconds of pain for one man has resulted in pain for millions. Um, for a man to not be allowed to breathe and uh, to call for his mother in the middle of that, uh, all African Americans obviously are hurting with them, but all Americans are hurting. Uh, the scriptures tell us in Romans 12 that we are to weep with them that weep. So you need to understand that as believers, our hearts are broken. Uh, our hearts are broken for the family of George Floyd. Uh, our hearts are broken for all those who are hurt by these events, for all of my black friends and black neighbors and black brothers uh, in the kingdom. Obviously, our hearts are broken. And uh, for all those who just feel more unsafe and less protected by those that they feel like should be protecting them or who feel fear and anger at this unjust event, uh, those who are just sickened by all these events, or those who are afraid, well, could I be next? So we care. Uh, we do struggle with how to express that. But it is our duty, and particularly my duty, to say that. But you got to understand, we have to care for everyone. We can't just care for some in some situation, but we care for everybody. So we are surrounded by injustices all the time. And so we're concerned about the family and uh, George Floyd and David Dorn and David Underwood and others who've been hurt or injured or killed. In this process, uh, we also feel for the peaceful protesters who are just trying to get their voice heard and yet are feeling accused or criticized or injured by all this or who have been injured because of those who chose to riot. Obviously, we care about the businesses, business owners, people who worked at the businesses that have been burned or looted and or might lose their job because of this or their income. But there's more. I mean, while we're talking about caring about people, we care about everybody. That Obviously, we care about the 100,000 Americans uh, and the 400,000 worldwide that have been reported have died from COVID-19. Uh, we care about the millions because of that who've not been able to pay their bills, 
maybe not being able to put food on their table because of this outbreak. Uh, We care about the violence and the death that encircles us all, and so we should. And so we care about those things, and so we need to always be in prayer. Uh, And so if you would, pray with me now. Holy Father, we ask you to do those things that we cannot do. Uh, Lord, uh, you can only do some things, and we we pray to you that, uh, God, you would accept our humble repentance and forgive us, uh, that you would help us to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. Father, that uh, you would make every valley to be exalted and every mountain brought low, that you would make the crooked places straight, that you would uh, cause all who are mourning to be comforted, that you would wipe away every tear from every eye, and that though uh, there may be much weeping in the night, we know that one of these mornings uh, there should be joy coming. And so we pray for those things, Father, and we ask you to bring peace, and harmony within our world, and uh, health, and prosperity even, Father. We pray that you'll heal our country, and that you'll heal our hearts. And now, Father, we pray that you'll help us in these moments when we are here to study your word, that we will understand what we study, and that you will give us peace, and love, and respect, and help us to learn to share and to care, and to serve other people. And we pray that you'll help us to be blessed because of that. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, as a family of believers, uh, we are dedicated to worshiping God the Father in spirit and in truth and sharing Christ Jesus with the world around us and seeing lives transformed in a positive way as we get involved in works of service and the Holy Spirit works upon our heart. So it is our goal as the Bell Shows Church of Christ to be about serving our community. And you will notice if you live in our area and you see the facilities going up that we've designed them quite uniquely because we intend to use that facility to literally serve and minister to not only our people, but the people of our community and the people of our world. That's because we don't believe in just serving ourselves. One of the greatest blessings of my life has been to work with the Bell Shoals Church of Christ, soon to be Creekside. It's been such a blessing for many, many reasons, but one of the greatest reasons I would have to say is because that we are a loving, very racially diverse congregation, and we love each other sincerely in that uh, effort, and we pray that that will always not only be the case, but that our tribe will increase, if you will, that more and more churches around us will be racially diverse. Uh, so we really want to be about that and be about our love because we want to be such a loving group of people that they will truly, like the song says, know that we are Christians by our love. And so I pray that's true. And uh, that's who we're trying to be, uh, just a family of believers. So God bless you, every one of you who uh, dealt with what we're dealing with right now.
today I want to deal with this idea that we are now one year into our building program, which we named Own the Mission. And so we've all tried to own the mission, and we've all committed to trying to contribute to it. It's been probably really rough on everybody recently because of the COVID and some of you not being able to work. So, But you need to know that we are literally continuing to build, and that's on schedule Uh, There are 24 more months to this giving effort. We're trying to raise around $1.2 million. And so uh, we need all the help, obviously, we can get. If you're new to us and you haven't committed to us or committed to this On the Mission effort, uh, there is a way on uh, our website to commit to giving to On the Mission. Love for you to do that. Obviously, we could use the help. And God bless you. Anybody, in fact, in the community wants to be a part of that. God bless you because we fully intend to serve our community with that. It's not for me. It's for all of you and for the generations that will live in the future. So if you want to be a part of On the Mission, we encourage you to do that. Today, this this lesson is about On the Mission Money Management. It's the last of a three-part series. And today it's on sharing and care and service. Uh, so that's what we're about today. And uh, so uh, I heard this this one question. It was like, what type of car should a missionary drive? Because we're on the mission and we're talking about mission work a lot today. What kind of car should a missionary drive? And the answer is a convertible. Missionaries have to deal with reaching people in other lands often And as a result, there's often a language problem, and some things get lost in translation. It's actually quite funny if you've done mission work, especially if you're speaking and you're being translated. It can get really hilarious, uh, especially with idioms. Uh, Me coming from Alabama, it actually got quite funny at times. Uh, A local guy says to this missionary, come eat outside. And the missionary answered back, do you mean you are going out for dinner? And the local guy came back and says, yes, come, you like. And the missionary says, thank you, but I prefer to eat here. And the local guy says, all right, just cook yourself. And it's just funny to hear some of the conversations that go on between people when you're trying to bridge that gap. And you're trying to talk to people who speak a different language. Missionaries have a hard job ahead of them. But American missionaries, and listen to this, is really important right here. American missionaries must always be sent out because it's God's will. It is God's method to take the gospel to the whole world. I mean, we're told, Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world, right? Or go ye therefore and teach all nations. And so that's to be done. That's what's expected. And yes, it's true that if you support a native or a local person from another country to preach to his people, that that does cost a lot less. In fact, I'd say it costs probably a third uh, or a fifth of what it would cost to send Americans there to do the work. That's true, but it's really better to let them take care of paying their own people to do that work because it doesn't cost as much, and that's kind of on their level, and lest they become 
dependent upon American money. But it is vital, listen to this, it is vital that every country and every church that's a part of mission work must go themselves. We must all. So they in that country need to go and they need to evangelize, but we need to go. We must go and we must commit not only our money, this business about we're just going to pay for everything, that's not good enough. We must commit our sons, our daughters, for Christ's sake. We must commit our own lives to this cause because if we don't, eventually we won't actually believe in this cause. And it is what God's asked us to do, to commit ourselves to it. We must be willing to die to ourselves and share in Christ's sacrifice. Colossians 1 verse 24, this is the way Paul put it. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So Paul said that whenever we suffered for the cause, we're finishing up the suffering that was lacking for, from Christ for the cause of the body of Christ. James Calvert was a missionary to the cannibals of the Fiji Islands. And this was a long time ago. And the ship captain said to him, you know, you will lose your life and the lives of those with you if you go among such savages as these cannibals. And Calvert replied, we died before we came here. And see, that's the spirit we all need. The kingdom, the church needs that spirit. An African missionary was once asked if he really liked what he was doing in his mission work. And his response shocked everyone. He said, do I like this work? No. Now listen to him now. Do I like this work? No. My wife and I do not like dirt. We have reasonable refined sensibilities. We do not like crawling into vile huts through goat refuse. But is a man to do nothing for Christ he does not like? God pity him if not. Liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to go and we go. Love constrains us. That's the call of Christian mission work. We are to share, we are to care, and we are to serve. I'm going to give you three vital truths regarding that idea. Remember, the text on this series, this little series, comes from Philippians 4, and we're going to look right now at verses 14 through 16. And sharing and care and service, we're to do it in a way that's aiding to our gospel. Listen to the way Paul writes this. Nevertheless... You have done well that you, talking about the church at Philippi, that you shared in my distress. So it was difficult time for Paul, and they're sharing in the fact that he's going through this hard time. Verse 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So they had been helping him for a time. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, when he was doing the work there, helping that church to get established, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. 
So it's important to recognize that it is critical that we support financially missionaries. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world. So that's our responsibility. We should go, but we can't all afford to go. Other people can help us to go, and other people can't all afford to go. People can't just jump up and leave work and go on a mission trip or go for two or three or six or 10 or 20 years and do it for free. There's no way you starve to death in a short time. Uh, Tom uh, Mercer uh, told this story. He said, a guy who, while walking through an intersection in a large city, noticed a police officer directing traffic in the middle of the street. As he walked by, the man sensed the Holy Spirit prompting him to go up to the officer and tell him that God loved him. The man dismissed the impulse and kept walking, but then he was haunted by the continued sense that he had been disobedient to the Spirit. So he finally walked back to that intersection up to the officer who was directing traffic and said, excuse me, officer, but God just seemed to tell me to tell you that he loves you. Tears began to trickle down from under the cop's mirrored sunglasses. Traffic stopped. With a broken voice, the officer said, I prayed to God for the first time in a long time last night and told him that if he was real, the least he could do was to send someone to me that he was there for me. Wow. What an amazing story. Here's the thing, though. We each need to be doing our part. We each need to be willing to share and to care. Tom Mercer went on to say in a book called 8 to 15, The World is Smaller Than You Think. And in that book, he basically says this, on the average, each of us. So I know you're thinking, well, I'm not a missionary. This isn't something that I could ever do. Yeah, maybe I could give a few dollars, but I can't give much. But I think you need to see this in a different way. Tom Mercer says, on the average, each of us has eight to 15 people. That's it. Do you get that? Do some counting. Eight to 15 people whom God has supernaturally and strategically placed in our relational world so that he might use us to show them his love. Just eight to 15 people. If we all reach eight to 15 people, we'd probably convert the world. The Greeks used one word to describe this personal world, and they called it oikos, The oikos principle is one that Jesus designed and modeled and taught for one purpose, and that is to change the world, and that's done because the world is actually smaller than you think. If every Christian in the world reached out to their 8 to 15, the world would be Christian. Now just think about that. So you don't have to reach the entire world. Find your 8 or your 9 or you're 10, or 11, or 12, or 13, or you're 14, or you're 15. You do that, you've done pretty good. And listen to what 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 says, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ is coming? Let me ask you a question. Those 8 or 15 that you know that aren't Christians right now, that or haven't given their life to the Lord, or who are just kind of casual in their maybe believing, What a wonderful thing it'd be to see all eight or 15 
in the presence of the Lord on the day he returns, wouldn't it? So it is vital that we share and that we care and that we serve by aiding the gospel, whether that's with money or whether that's with going or whether that's with the person we know, the 8 to 15. We need to share and care because there's people out there just waiting for you to walk up to them and you tell them, you know, God loves you just like that police officer. The second truth that we need to get is sharing in care and service in a way that is abounding to our account. Yes, we do things and it abounds to our account. Carrying on in Philippians 4, we're still there. Philippians 4, now verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That's right. God keeps up with what you do and he will reward you for it. In Matthew 6 and verse 20, it says that we are to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What greater treasure can you lay up than the person themselves, right? Charles Schultz, you know, the guy that did the peanut cartoon, he had this one many years ago where Snoopy is in the snow and he's shivering outside and he's knocking on this door and Lucy comes to the door. Now, you know Lucy. And she says, she didn't give him anything. She says, go in peace, be warmed and filled. What an indictment against Christianity who does nothing for anyone except themselves. And when she slams the door afterwards, Snoopy's standing there shivering and confused about what just happened. Here's the truth. Here's the number of children who don't get enough food to fully develop mentally and physically. Some people think, well, they're just something wrong with them. Yeah, you don't get enough food, the right kind of food. Your brain doesn't develop completely. There are 500 million a year who don't get enough food to even develop properly. How about the number of hunger-related deaths every day in the world? 40,000. These statistics are according to the World Bank. 40,000 a day die from lack of the proper diet. And here's the amount of money that Americans spend annually on pet food. $3 billion. Now, I'm not against pets, but $3 billion on pets when 500 million are hungry. Something's wrong sometimes in that. We need to try to change that. We can't change everybody, but we can change us. We can be a part of the solution, and it will abound to our account. God will keep up with it. You say, well, what benefit will I get out of it? Sometimes just doing it's the benefit enough, right? Matthew 10 and verse 42, whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, he shall by no means lose his reward. Just a cup of cold water? to a little one, and God remembers it. So it's vital that we share and that we care and that we serve, and it will all abound to our account. The third little truth, and this is the last point, and it is sharing in care and service in a way that's acceptable to our Lord. And that's found in verse 18 of Philippians 4, if you're still in that text. It says, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full 
having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. So Paul's received this. It was probably food because the next statement, a sweet smelling aroma. It probably was real food. An acceptable sacrifice. He's in prison. An acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So he's received their food and I don't uh, other things maybe. I don't know. It doesn't say what he got or maybe just some money. I don't really know. Romans 12 and verse 1 says that we are to be a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which, you're, which is your reasonable service. So he's saying that when we do things and we make sacrifices for others or for the Lord himself, then they become acceptable sacrifices that are well-pleasing to God. We should do things that God feels good about, and we will therefore feel good about it. Martin of Tours who lived between 316 and 397 A.D., uh, was a Roman soldier who became a Christian. One cold winter day, he was entering into a city, and a beggar stopped him. Now, you don't see as many beggars like they had in that day, which were all along the road, had to walk along. We still have people who ask for help on corners, though. And so a beggar stopped him and asked for alms or money that uh, he could make it through the day. Martin, who was the, the man we're talking about, this Christian, actually had no money and he knew he couldn't do anything, but he saw the beggar, and he saw that he actually was kind of blue from being so cold, and he was shivering. So Martin took off his uh, soldier's coat, and he literally cut it in two. Even though it was worn and frayed, he cut it in two, and he gave half of it to the beggar, and he put the other half back on on this cold day. And that night, he had a dream. And in that dream, he was taken into the heavenly places and he saw angels and Jesus in the midst of the angels. And he saw that Jesus in the midst of the angels was wearing a soldier's cloak, frayed as it was. And the angel said to him, Master, why are you wearing that battered old cloak? Who gave it to you? And Jesus answered softly, my servant Martin gave it to me. You know, that's actually true. Listen to Matthew twenty-five forty. The king will say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So when you are sharing and you are caring and you're serving other people, whether with the gospel of Christ in another world, or with money that you sent them there, or with actually helping someone who is hurting financially, or you're feeding someone, or taking care of them, or giving them the coat off your own back. You need to remember that when you do such things, it's acceptable to God as your reasonable acts of service. God actually expects us to do that. God wants us to be like him. So whether we're talking about on the mission or literally mission work or supporting Bell Shoals Creekside ongoing work where we try to do good and try to do mission work and try to reach the people around us, whatever we're talking about, here's what we're really talking about. We are to be about aiding the gospel itself. 
we are to abound in to our own account by helping other people. And we are to do it in such a way that it's acceptable to God as an act of sacrifice and service. So it's a year into our own the mission, uh, three months into COVID-19, and it's essential that we first feed our own family. So when I say these things, I understand some of you are actually struggling. Um, so you must feed your family. You must take care of your family. And that's your first mission. A man that doesn't take care of his own family is worse than an infidel, we're told. So it's clearly your first mission. But once you have enough to do that, feeding others is important. Not everybody is doing so well as America. Not everybody's doing well at all. But it also includes feeding people who don't have the word. They don't have Jesus. We need to feed them the gospel of Christ. We need to believe in what we're doing. We at Bell Shells Creekside believe in what we're doing. We believe that we are a family of believers sharing, worshiping, transforming, and serving the world around us. And that's the critical element with the gospel and with literally taking care of them. Now, we're not special. Uh, We don't have any extraordinary gifts, no special talents, no special amount of money. Uh, But you don't have to be a Bible scholar to teach about Jesus, and you don't have to be a millionaire to take some money out of your pocket and help someone. But we do need to do our part. And that's all God expects us to do. If all you got is a cup of cold water, give that to someone who's thirsty. That's all God expects. Uh, A missionary to Africa told the story of an elderly woman who was reached with the gospel, but she happened to be blind. She could not read, she could not write, and she was blind. But she was so thrilled to have Jesus, and she wanted to share her faith. But what do you do when you're blind and you can't read and you can't write? How in the world are you going to reach anybody for Jesus? Who's going to listen to you? Well, here's what she did. She went to the missionary and she asked for a copy of the Bible in French. And so the missionary got it for her. And when she got it, she went back to the missionary and said, could you underline John 3.16 for me in red and then mark my Bible in such a way that I can always turn to it and find it? So the missionary did that. And then the missionary was so puzzled about what she was doing that he followed her. He Obviously, being blind, she didn't know that. He followed her to see where she was going and what she was doing. And what she did, she went to a school, an all-boys school, and she sat out at front and waited on the school to be out. When the school was out, she would stop one of the boys and ask, Does any of you know how to read French? And because of where this was, usually one of the boys would say, Yes. And so she would hand him the Bible, ask him to find the verse that was marked in red, and she would ask him to read it. He would then read it, and then she would say, "Uh, tell me, do you know what that means? And then when he might not, she would explain about Christ to him. The missionary said 24 of those schoolboys became believers in Jesus and later became preachers. 
That's a blind woman who cannot read and cannot write. Don't tell me you there's not something you could do. Don't tell me you don't have a cup of cold water or warm water, for that matter, that you couldn't hand out. We want to give everyone a better life, to transform their life. That often means food. It may mean finances. It may mean medical help. That often means supporting missionaries in other lands, going on mission trips all over the world, becoming missionaries. But it mainly just means that we need to tell them what we know about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how he provided salvation for us and how faith in Jesus saves us and how that we're to respond by believing, repenting of our sins, confessing Christ, and being baptized and living for him. We need to share in the gospel effort. We need to care and we need to serve the world around us. That's what we're called to do. I hope you'll think about that and look for a way and look for what you have in your hand. Do you have a cup of cold water in your hand? Is there something you could do to be more than just the one observing what other people are doing? Could you get involved and care and share and serve? God bless you. Hope you learned to do that. Hope I learned to do that. Have a blessed day.